We're going to go to Isaiah chapter 59 in your Old Testament, Isaiah and chapter number 59. Our revival meeting starts one week from today. Excuse me, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to what the Lord has for us, and um, hopefully you've been praying about that. It's good to be prepared for a revival meeting before the meeting ever starts. It really is, and that's what I want to try to do tonight to an extent, is try to help us to prepare. Um, all those years in evangelism, traveling around, I, I've always wanted to see a, a nationwide revival. I mean, who doesn't? I mean, just man for God, just to move across our country, be a wonderful thing. I can't say that I'm have given up on that because, I mean, God is still able, you know, it doesn't look like, it looks more like he, the Lord might come back tonight, but, but I still like to think that God can revive, and he always starts with individuals. So even though our nation is in turmoil, and things look bleak, God is still in control. And the greatest thing that we can do at a time like this, well, throughout all ages, is to be revived to a point where we're willing to share the gospel with other people. No, no, revival is going to stir us up to the point where he's number one. Because that's where he needs to be. Okay, revival isn't just a bunch of good feelings. It's not just a bunch of hollering of amen and all that. Revival is when we uh, get back to that place where we love God with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul. Revival. To where He is number one to the point that we have to share Him with others. And uh, I think there's a problem that the Lord addresses here and... uh, we're going we're gonna to try to expound on it some. Isaiah 59 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. Uh, I titled the message, What Seems to Be the Problem? And I think God addresses it here. So let's pray, and we'll get right on into the message. Our great, gracious, heavenly Father, we come to you now, Lord, with a bowed heart, asking you to do those, those things which only you can do. And that would be to speak to hearts. Uh, but Lord, at the very same time, I pray for the hearers, whether they're here in the, under the sanctuary or in their homes watching live stream, I I pray that uh, attention would be arrested, that your Holy Ghost would speak clearly, that um, we would be focused on what you have for us, and even praying, Lord, that you would address things in our life as individuals, that we might have revival. And there's real possibility that we can have revival in our own hearts before this revival meeting ever starts next Sunday. And so I pray, Lord, that you would uh, confront us, 
I pray that you'd speak clearly to us. And then I pray that we would respond at the given time with however that you would have us to move. Bless and help us now. Give us power. I need your power. I need that unction that can only come from you. I need boldness of the Holy Ghost. I need your help. And I pray that you would give it now. And we ask these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. And please do be seated. There's many today that are faithful to the Christian life, but they don't seem to be enjoying the blessings that you think might come along with living in that manner. I'm talking about Christians that come to church and they make trips to the altar and they confess their sins on a regular basis, but still something seems to be lacking in their life. Um, the family doesn't seem to be right, even though they're trying hard to keep things in order. So what seems to be the problem? What, it, what is the problem? Well, we know that confessing our sin is the right thing to do. First John 1, 9, we know that we're supposed to do that. It's good and it's right. But have you addressed your iniquities lately? Your iniquities? See, we have a twofold problem. It's bigger than the sins we just commit. As we read here in, in Isaiah 59, verse 1 and 2, it's a twofold problem. The hiding of God's face and his hearing caused by our sin, but also the separation from God caused by our iniquities. By our iniquities. Now let's start with a sin problem because that's what seems to be addressed the most. So let's think about the definition of sin. The definition of sin, very simply, is the breaking or transgression of the law. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 4, the Bible says, Whosoever committed a sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And then we think about a simple verse like James chapter 4 and verse number 17, where it says, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is it's sin. We know to do good and we don't do it. It's sin. We have to notice something as we read the scriptures, and that's this. Sin and transgression are interchangeable. Sin, transgression, same thing. So simplified, when we step over the proverbial line that's drawn by God, we have sinned. We've sinned. However, iniquity is the reason that we step over the line. Uh, what do you mean, preacher? Well, somehow we rationalized that sin or we justified that sin to the point we thought, you know, that's not really applicable to me. Or, or oh, well, you know, in this instance, things are just different. So I'm going to go ahead and you fill in the blank whatever you think that you might be able to get by with. Now let's think about the definition of iniquity. And to do that, what I want to do is I want to read some verses to you. And I want to, I want to, to encourage you to write down the reference to these verses because I'm going to read them through them very quickly. We're not going to turn because I got a lot I want to read. And I, I want to encourage you to write down the references so that you can go back and look at these as you have time to do that. Because I want you to understand what's going on here. And I want you to understand it very well. Because I really do believe that this could help anyone, everyone that's willing to take heed to what the Word of God says. So let's look at Scripture to get a real good understanding of iniquity. Of iniquity. In Exodus chapter 34, 9, the Bible says, And he said, If now I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us. For it is a stiff-necked people... And pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for thine inheritance. Job 33, 9 says, I am clean without transgression. I am innocent. Neither is there iniquity in me. 
Psalm 38, 18. For I will declare mine iniquity. I will be sorry for my sin. Psalm 51, 2 says, Wash me truly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Psalm 85, 2 says, Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 22 says, His own iniquity shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. Jeremiah 5, 25 says, Your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have withholden good things from you. Jeremiah 31, 34 says, And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. Listen, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Romans chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, the Bible says, Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. The Bible says, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 17 says, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. So get this, sins and iniquities are mentioned 72 times together in the Bible. And transgression and iniquity are mentioned 19 times together in the Bible. And then iniquity or iniquities is mentioned 334 times in the Bible. So perhaps we need to know just a little bit more about our iniquities, about our iniquities. So you're saying, well, preacher, what is iniquity? Well, iniquity is a condition of our heart. It's a heart condition. It is condition within. Stay with me here. It's a condition within. It's not an outward act. It's conditioned within. Proverbs 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart. Iniquity in my heart. So iniquity would be the motive behind the sin. Iniquity would be the motive behind the transgression of the law. Jesus had this to say to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 28. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. The Lord Jesus said that to the Pharisees. So going outside the boundaries that God has set for us is sin. Iniquity is the reason behind us crossing those boundaries. Uh, One commentator said this. Sin is not simply making bad choices or mistakes. Sin is having the desire in our hearts to do the will of the enemy. That's a pretty good quote right there. Okay, I'm going to say it again. Sin is not simply making bad choices or mistakes. Sin is having the desire in our hearts to do the will of the enemy. So iniquity, listen, is a bending or a twisting of God's commandments to justify our committing some particular sin. Or it's the want or the lack of holiness. Or we could say it's an impure state of heart. Or we could even go simpler. It's not right thinking as, as, as what the Bible would have us to think. And it deals with the heart. It's the heart not being in agreement with God's laws. It is, it is a heart that's opposing righteousness. It's, it's opposing truth or truthfulness. And really the bottom line is just dishonest. 
No, at a place where we just decide that we're going to do what we are going to do no matter what the Bible says. Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 24, the first part of the verse says, But when the righteous turneth away, turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity. Committeth iniquity. Can I tell you that a heart that is hungry for the things of this world, a heart that is not set on doing the right thing every day, will return to its sin time and time and time and time again. Just continue to go on. So we must determine to meet with, to meet with, and to submit to God every day. Come on. Not only meet with them, well, preacher, I have my devotions every morning. Hallelujah. We need to be in the Word every morning. We need to meet with God every morning. Absolutely so. But it's not going to do any good if we don't submit to God. No, no I'm saying if you, you read your Bible every morning, but you're not willing to submit to what God has to say, you're not going to get the help that God wants to give. We have to be willing to submit to what God would have us to do. And here's the reason. Iniquity, the condition of the heart, it will affect your love. What do you mean, preacher? In Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 12, Jesus said, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Do you get that? Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. So iniquity attempts to nullify our love for God and everything associated with God. Okay, so that we can continue to go through the religious steps, we can carry our Bible, we can read it some, we can come to church, we can put money in the plate, we can pray a little bit and all these different things, but iniquity still abounds in our heart. The reason that we continue to commit sin, the reason that we continue to fail along the way, the the reason that we continue to cross that proverbial line over and sin. The reason that so many are cold-hearted today, and we're talking about professing Christians, of course, is because of their iniquity. And we know that the Lord points that out over in Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, where he speaks of being lukewarm. I, I work that you were, really, were, 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 were rather hot or cold and not lukewarm. So he speaks of being lukewarm. So we tend to get lukewarm because, listen, because our heart is not fully right with God. And that tends to just cause more trouble for us. And the reason for that is because iniquity separates us from God. Our iniquity separates us from God. You stop right there, preacher. Good grief. I've read the Bible and I know that once I'm saved by the grace of God, that God will never leave me nor forsake me. Hallelujah. I'm very thankful for that. I am so very thankful for that. But it is possible to be related to someone and uh, not... Be close to them, isn't it? It it is possible that we are related to someone and there's distance between us. Isn't that true? Sure. Absolutely so. Isaiah 59, 2, the Bible says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So it says that your sins have hid his face, so we confess our sins. But he will not hear because we've forgotten something. What do you mean, preacher? Well, iniquities are listed first. Iniquities are the root of the problem. Uh, Our iniquities have separated us from God. So we go down and we confess our sin, but we still feel distant from God. (laughs) Come on. 
<laughs> we go down. Come on, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Who likes that verse? I like that verse. Absolutely so. About worn it out in my 37 years of being saved. But I'm telling you, no, no, no. I'm telling you, it's more than just going down to an altar and asking God to forgive you because you're sorry that you did that with no thought whatsoever of a plan to quit doing that. With no thought whatsoever of, oh, Lord, correct me, help me. I don't want to do this anymore. No, no, no. It's gotten to be just a ritualistic thing, a religious thing, where we go to an altar and, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I've sinned and I'm so wicked. He already knows you're wicked. I'm so sorry and I'm so sorry I've sinned. And would you please forgive me? But we get up with no thought of anything changing. We get up with, with no thought of, of, of allowing God to work in our heart. Uh, we, we go through all these rituals, but, but we come down and really the burden doesn't seem to be lifted and nothing changes in our life. I mean, we're no closer to God. The Word of God doesn't open up. Our prayer life is still dead. We don't get excited about, the, about uh, singing the old hymns at church. I mean, it doesn't, seem, it doesn't seem exciting at all to hear that somebody got saved by the grace of God or that somebody fall, follows the Lord in scriptural baptism. I mean, nothing stirs us up anymore. And I'm afraid it's because your iniquities have separated from you from your God <clears throat> in 1 John 1 9 where it says that uh, he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness the Greek word translated unrighteousness there is found 24 times in the New Testament and six of those times it is translated iniquities so I'm saying that we have a great need to address the iniquity in our heart I'm talking about the motives behind the sin what causes us to continue to cross that line? Why we were willing to go outside of God's boundaries. And when we get serious enough with God to allow Him to address the reasons behind our sins, our iniquities, God can wash away all the feelings of guilt and all the feelings of dirtiness that goes along with iniquity. Okay, when God saved your soul and He forgave all your sin, surely you remember that time. I guarantee if you've ever been saved, you remember that time. And you remember the feeling of being clean. Okay, you remember the joy that it gave you to, to when you re realized that your sin had been forgiven, that you had a home, had a home reserved in you, for you in heaven. I, I mean, it was a wonderful, wonderful thing. And you wanted to tell people about Jesus, and you wanted to go to church, and you wanted to read your Bible, and you wanted to know more about God. And man, oh man, I've just got to learn more, and I've got to do more, and all these different things. I mean, this is so good. Do you understand that, that God wants you to continue to be just like that until you die? No, it's not something you're supposed to lose. Well, you know, but you know, I've been in church a long time now, so it's just the same old, same old. That's not the way God never intended for it to be. We should be able to maintain the joy of, our, of His salvation. We should still be excited about the things of God. But what happens, listen to me please, what happens is we don't deal with the iniquity in our heart. We don't deal with it. We want to confess our sin. We hope that's going to help a little bit, but we don't, uh, we don't, we don't deal with, with the main problem that's in here. Because it's easy to look good on the outside. It's easy to put on a front. It's easy to know the right words to say. And it's our iniquity that leads us to sin. 
In Psalm 32 and verse 5, the Bible says, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, listen to this, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. The iniquity of my sin. The reason behind the sin. Here's the problem. Are you still with me here? Okay. We get to this place where we, uh, it's like, well, you know, it's not that bad. I feel like I can watch this. It's not hurting me. You know, I, 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 I know, you know, I, I know, but I mean, I wouldn't want people to know I'm watching it, but it, you know, it's not going to, it's, it's not going to, it's not that bad. I mean, I know it's, and, and I think it's okay to listen to this. I know what they say, but, and I think it's okay. I can look at this. I'm strong enough and it's not going to hurt me. I can, I can say this. I can do this, all these different things. And we know that they're wrong. Please stay with me. And we know that we're wrong, but we justify it in our own mind and that leads us to sin it leads us to cross that line we think we're doing fine and we may not be in be doing so fine so another term for iniquity stay with me here another term for iniquity would be a lack of holiness okay that thing that you're doing would jesus call it sin or would he just rationalize it? Would he just make excuse for it? If we are willing to deal with our iniquities, we would sin much less. Iniquity is, is a want or a lack of, of holiness. It distances us from God. If our heart is not surrendered, if our heart is not consecrated, consecrated unto the Lord, then we go ahead and willfully sin. And then we go and we confess our sin, but the distance is still there. So we continue in the same sin over and over and over and over because the iniquity in our heart leads us to sin. And it just becomes, it just becomes disastrous. It's just a vicious cycle. I'm talking about Christians here. We go to church, we hear the preaching, we go to the altar and we get up and then we go back and do the same thing. And then we go to church and we hear, we, hear, we hear the preaching and we go to the altar and then we get up and we go back and the same thing. There's a problem in here. You have to think about David's confession to God after committing adultery with Bathsheba and murdering her husband Uriah the Hittite after he'd been confronted. Over in Psalm 51 verse 4 and 5, he says this. He said, against thee, thee only, talking to God, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now get this. He said, against thee, thee only have I sinned. Told God that. Now let me ask you a question. <clears throat> when, when after David's terrible sin with Bathsheba and him, him having, having her husband killed and him moving Bathsheba into the palace, do, do you think that probably the people uh, of Jerusalem knew what was going on? Oh, come on. I'm sure that they were as big a gossips as a lot of Baptists are. Come on, it probably got around the, it probably got around the kingdom pretty quick, don't you think? Come on, them talking about, wait a minute, is that Bathsheba? Isn't that Uriah's wife? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what she's doing going up there. Hey, have you heard the latest? Uriah's dead. 
Oh, no kidding. What happened? He got sent to the front. And they got him. Really? Well, you know what I saw? I saw, ba- I thought I saw Bathsheba moving her stuff up to the palace. Oh, mercy sakes. So, no, 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 no. So, David's, David's sin, David's sin, it affected, it affected the kingdom, didn't it? And his sin was certainly against the people of the kingdom because he was supposed to be the king and he was supposed to be upright and all those things, right? Come on, stay with me here. But he said to God, against thee and thee only have I sinned. You know why he said that? Because really, when we sin, when we go ahead and do what we want to do and we sin, we are sinning against him. No, it's going to affect other people. It will affect other people. But our sin, no, 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 no. The, 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 the bad thing about our sin is not that it might affect other people, although it does. But that's not the worst thing. The worst thing about our sin is that it's against Him. And whether anybody ever finds out or not, He knows. And so David cried out, against thee and thee only have I sinned. No, he was looking for real re- forgiveness. This wasn't him just, just saying some, some, some pithy prayer and going on about his business. No, 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 friend. I'm telling you, he got very serious with God. He said, I, I want you to wash me truly. I mean, take care of this. Co- correct me, God. And here's the problem. Well, one of many here. Refusal to confess iniquity, the problem in the heart, it's going to kill our prayer life. It'll kill your prayer life. Well, I don't know if I, I don't know if I agree with that preacher. Well, Psalm 66, 18 says, if I regard, stay with me, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If I regard iniquity, iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. That word regard means to look or to perceive or to observe or to give attention to, to distinguish. But the English uses the present tense and intransitive verbs. But in Hebrew, the perfect tense is used. What does that mean? Well, the perfect tense in cases like that it emphasizes a condition which has come into complete existence. A condition which has come to realization. So it's like it's saying in essence, if, 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 I, have, uh, if I have iniquity in my heart, or if I see iniquity in my heart, or if I observe iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. No, no, no. We know our heart is not right with God. We know there's something in there that continues to push us to push us over the line to sin. And it just pushes us over and pushes us over and pushes us over. Well, I think I can do this. I'll just go to God and ask forgiveness. Well, I think I can do this. I'll just go to God and ask forgiveness. And we just, it just continues to push us over and push us over and push us over. It is a heart problem. So we go to God and we pray. But because we know that's there and we're not wanting to deal with that, we just want forgiveness for the sin we've committed. Might as well be praying to the steps. I'm afraid that in the past several decades that it's gotten to a place where a lot of Christian people I mean born again children of God play church and they've gotten into their routine 
And they go through the motions hoping everything's going to work. And when they begin to do that, are you still with me here? When they begin to do that, they start losing their joy. Because their sins are not forgiven. Because they're not dealing with the heart. They're not, they're, no, 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 they're not dealing with the iniquity. And iniquity comes first. Iniquity is the reason we sin. And so it's gotten to the point where there are churches out there where it just really doesn't even matter what you do. I mean, long as, you know, you love Jesus. No, no, I, I mean, it's gotten that slack. I'm not, just, I'm not just ragging on the churches out there that are like that, but it's really gotten to that point, hasn't it? That messages like this are not going to be preached in churches like that. Because they can go down the road and find some other church that's not going to preach like this. Come on, it's not going to put us on the spot and make us realize that we're not exactly where we need to be. That our heart is not exactly where it should be. That there's some things that we need to deal with whether we like it or not. Come on, these can be, these can be hidden sins. They can be sins of the heart. I, I mean, that, that iniquity that just causes us just to think that we can live any way we want to and be right with God. It's a dangerous place to be, isn't it? And truly, if we're going to have any type of real revival at all, we're going to have to deal with the iniquity of our sin. We're going to have to allow God to deal with our heart. If we know it's there, then we're in bad shape if we don't deal with it. Even the Lord said in Isaiah 43, the last part of verse 24, he said, thou has wearied me, listen, thou has wearied me with thine iniquities. Multiple iniquities. Not just one thing, but multiple things. And, and we must ask ourselves, has God turned a deaf ear to my prayers? I mean, do I need to really do a heart check for iniquities? And this is a very serious situation, for it is our iniquity that is visited upon our children. Are y'all still with me here? No, it's visited upon our children. Well, I don't know. What, what are you talking about there? Exodus 34, 7 says, Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and the fourth generation. Numbers 14, 18. The Bible says, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. So whether we like to think about it or not, our lack of love for God will affect our children. It will affect our children. Well, I'll tell you, I'll do what I want to do and it's not hurting anybody but me. You're wrong. You're wrong. It is hurting more than you. Come on, either the Bible's true or it's not. Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, the Bible says, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. Listen, third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. 
And then in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 9, he repeats that. Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So we're talking about having iniquity in our heart over something that God has dealt with us about. We know that God's dealt with us about it. Uh, come on, it, it, can, it, can be, it can be unforgiveness, it can be bitterness, it can be hatred. It, it can be some secret sin that's in your life. I mean, whatever the case, something that God has dealt with us about. And it says the iniquity of the fathers is visited upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. So this could not only, this, no, no, listen, this could not only hurt your children, it could hurt your grandchildren. Come on, it's getting pretty serious now, isn't it? Not that it wasn't before. And he, God himself uses a term, of them that hate me. Of them that hate me. Now stay with me. The term itself speaks of having a lesser love for God. Or an unwillingness to love God with all your heart. Because the first and great commandment, Jesus said in 20, uh, Matthew 22 verse 37 Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second light is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So if this is a commandment, and it is, Jesus said it is, it's the first and great commandment, then when we love God with a lesser love, we sin. Come on, we're to love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind. That covers man and woman. We're to love Him supremely. What do you mean? It means that He'd have first place in our life. Before anything else, And before anyone else, he has first place. God does. If God has first place, that means that um, he's probably going to be on our mind, isn't he? On our heart. Come on. If he has first place, that pretty much means that um, we're listening to what he has to say. To the extent of, man, I need to be doing these things. Or I need to stop doing these things. Because if I don't, it could not only hurt me, it could hurt my children. And on down to my grandchildren. I mean, we are to love him with everything in us. He said of them that hate me. Think about Genesis chapter 29 uh, and verse 30 where the Bible says, And he went in, in also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and served with him yet seven other years. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Excuse me. Now, now did he hate Leah? No, 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 no. He just loved Rachel more. He didn't hate Leah. He just, he just loved Rachel more than that. It was, a lesser, it was a lesser love that he had for Leah. Hate is a lesser love. Uh, Luke chapter 14, verse 26. 
Jesus said, if any man come to me, listen, and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciples. So do you, do you really think that God wants us to hate our father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters? Well, no. No, but he does expect us to have a lesser love for them than we have for him. I've known situations where people have not done what God wanted them to do because there was someone else they cared about that said, oh, you don't have to do that. And they didn't. When God has given us direction in life, it's very important that he is number one. And at that point, it really doesn't matter what mom says, dad says, brothers say, sisters say, grandma, grandpa, it doesn't matter. No, 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 because we're to love him supremely. And I'm not talking about being ugly to anybody. No, no, no. I'm not talking about hating. We don't hate. I'm not talking about that. It's just, no, no, no. When that situation comes up, it's just like, look, I, I, I know you may not understand completely, but this is what God wants me to do. And I just have to do what God wants me to do. I just have to be willing to listen to God and follow God and do what he would have me to do. And it's, no, no, it's not that. No, I, no, I still love you. But I'm telling you, I mean, God, he, he is my number one. And that's where he's supposed to be. And when we get to that place where we're really like that, I'm telling you, it's a life-changing event. Because then we're asking God, Lord, what will thou have me to do? What will thou have me to do? What do you want me to do here? Lord, I know how I feel about this, but what is it that you want me to do? And Lord, I'm really struggling with this because mom and dad don't really want me to surrender, do these different things. But what do you want me to do? And Lord, I'm telling you, I'm struggling here because my friends say I'm just going crazy and I I don't need to be this religious and I don't need to give up this and that and do all these different things and be in church every time the doors are open because, I mean, they just don't understand. Uh, But Lord, what will thou have me to do? How do you want me to live? What do you want me to give up? What do you want me to start doing? Come on, I mean that we love Him supremely. And it really doesn't matter what anybody else says about it, that we're going to do what God would have us to do. It's, it's vitally important that, that we allow God to be the one we love the most. So God visits the iniquity of the father upon the children to the third and fourth generation of them that hate him or that give him a lesser love or or that do not love him with all of their hearts. Those that have rationalized their hearts, uh, rationalized their sin in their hearts and did not love God supremely. First and great commandment. We've kind of skipped over that in our Christianity today. As long as we're going through all the motions and, you know, everybody thinks well of us to some extent, we're doing okay. But maybe we're not. So he visits the iniquity upon the children of the third and fourth generation of them that hate him. But he shows mercy, listen, to the thousands that love him is what the verses said. So if, if you will determine to love him the way that you should love him, you can break the cycle of iniquity in your family. Yeah. 
What you think you're getting by with, you're not getting by with. I'll say it again. What you think you're getting by with, you're not getting by with. You're not getting by with it. Well, I mean, it doesn't seem to be affecting me yet. It may not affect you. It may not ever affect you to some ill extent, but it may affect your children to some ill extent. It's pretty heavy, isn't it? But it's Bible. It's just as much Bible as John 3.16 is Bible. We could shout over that verse, but this is something. No, 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 no. We're talking, about, we're talking about having revival. We're talking about wanting God to be number one in our life, to have first place in our life. And that can happen, listen, because he came to forgive sin and iniquities. We read several verses over that. And we often deal with our sins, but our biggest problem just may be our iniquities. Micah chapter 7 verse 19 says, He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue. This is great. He will subdue our iniquities and thou will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. So it says that he will subdue our iniquities. That word subdue there, the Hebrew word means to bring into bondage. Listen, to bring into bondage that tendency for us to rationalize God's command in the Bible to fit our experience. God says he will subdue our reasons for which we commit sin. He will do that. He will do that. Talked about the grace of God this morning. I was saved by His grace. I've been changed by His grace. No, it's just by the grace of God that I'm saved. And it's definitely the grace of God. Anything, that is, anything that's changed for the good in Bill Marshall, it's because of the grace of God. The grace of God. So as we submit ourselves to Him, really submit ourselves to Him the way that we should, allow Him to deal with our heart. Oh Lord, correct me. Yes, Lord, I've sinned in thy sight. In thy sight, I, I, I've sinned only in thy sight. And Lord, I, I, I'm sorry, and I want you to forgive that sin, but correct me. I want to be different from this point forward. I don't want to keep doing those same things over and over and over. Lord, do something in my heart. Only God can change the heart. We know that. Only God can. But how often do we ask Him to? No, how often do we really submit to Him? Lord, I want you to have your way in my life. Lord, this, these things in my heart that continue to make me captive to the sin that in my life. Lord, I want you to deal with these. I want you to deal with these. Lord, I know I can put on a good front and I know what to say to the people at church and I look pretty good in front of everybody. But Lord, I want you to deal with my heart that I might continue to not be captive to the sin that's in my life. Deal with my heart. Correct me. Lord, change me. Whatever I have to do. Whatever I have to do. Whatever I have to do. Lord, I want you to change me. Lord, help me to love you with all my heart and all my mind and all my soul. No, no. It's one thing to come up and confess your sin. It's another to admit to God that you have a problem in here for some reason. You have this problem here and you're full of hatred and vengeance and bitterness and all these things. And you think you're doing okay because the outside shines pretty good. I'm telling you, friend, you're not doing okay. It's hurting you and it's hurting those around you a lot more than you think it is. 
and it causes you to continue to sin. Come on, you might not be out behind the barn smoking pot, but there's sin that dwells in your heart, and it just stays there. And you just have to continue to deal with it. I'm telling you, God can help you with that if you're willing to deal with the iniquities. If you're willing to deal with that lesser love that you have for God. Because when we love God with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul, we're going to be submitting to Him. When He is number one in our life, we will submit to Him. To Him and what He has to say. To Him and what He wants us to do. To Him and how He wants us to deal with these things in our life. Psalm 85.2 says, Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin. I love it. And we know this one. Isaiah 53 verse 4, Surely he hath borne our grief and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And it goes on. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord, get this, and the Lord hath laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. So there's not only forgiveness of sin, but there's help for your iniquity. If you're willing to confess it to God. God, I have something wrong in here. I'm not loving you the way that I should. I'm not living for you the way that I should. I've got things in here that I haven't dealt with in years. Lord, I need you to help me with this so I don't just continue to be the same old person and do the same old thing. Lord, I remember the joy that I had when I got saved and and the things that you did for me, but that's all gone, God. And there's got to be something wrong in here because I keep coming to the altar and confessing the sin, but nothing seems to happen. And Lord, I don't know how much this is affecting me, but I certainly do not want want it to affect my children or grandchildren. Titus chapter 2 verse 13 says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the, of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath gave Himself for us, listen, that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. He wants to cleanse us from our unrighteousness and purify him unto himself a people that will shine brightly. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 19, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Listen, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. What the New Testament says. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. I love this, and I'm I'm done. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9 says this Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. 
Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above all thy fellows. Oh no, that's good stuff right there, Brother Terry. Thou hast loved righteousness, God is talking to someone, and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. I've been pastoring long enough now trying to pastor that I've noticed the difference between those that are seemingly sold out to God and the gladness they have compared with those that just seem to be living a nominal Christianity. Why? Are you, you judging people? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not judging anybody. We, we have a judge. I'm not judging anybody. But it is, my, it is my responsibility as a pastor to watch over the flock. Are you listening to me still? It is my responsibility as the pastor to watch over the people that God has put in this church. It's my responsibility. Well, you can't tell them what to do. I don't try to tell them what to do. I tell them what God says. With great hopes that they'll do what God tells them to do. But I've noticed the difference of those that have the true joy of the Lord and those that don't. It's pretty evident if you watch people week after week after week after month after month after year after year. It's pretty easy. And I'm not trying to be ugly about it. I'm, I'm just saying, man, I want everybody to... No, no, I want everybody to love God with all their heart and mind and soul. I want everybody to, to, to uh, uh, enjoy the joy of the Lord. I want everyone to, to have the fullness of Christ. I want everyone to live that abundant life. I want everyone to get everything that God has for them. But I'm telling you, you can't live contrary to what the Bible says and think that you're doing okay. You're not doing okay. The iniquity of your heart has fooled you. To where you think you're doing okay when you're not even doing okay. Because there's iniquity in here that you will not deal with. And it is hurting you. And it's hurting those around you more than you know. So what seems to be the problem? Well, it might be that tonight you just need to come down to an altar and confess that you've not been loving to God the way that you should. And just determine that you're going to do all those things that, 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 that would show your love for God. I'm talking about those sins that you've been justifying and living in all this time. Maybe it's time, maybe it's time to see them the way that God sees them. I guess we could just do the invitation like this. How is, the love of, how is your love for God tonight? Now, I don't expect you to answer me. I'm just saying we need to think about it. How is our love for God tonight? Are we really doing our best to love Him with everything in us the way that we should? I mean, no, no, from the depths of our heart. Not just a superficial outward type of thing. You know, I love Jesus bumper sticker and stuff type stuff. No. 
No, a love for God that causes you to want to live your life for Him 24-7. A love for God that causes you to fall under conviction immediately when you do something that would be against what God would have you to do. It's very real. And I think a good part of Christianity today is missing it. And I, I promise you that's exactly... No, no, I, this is, I, that is, that is, I want, <laughs> I want that for the people of Riverside Baptist Church. I want them to have that kind of love for God because I know that they'll be blessed for it. And further than that, I know their children will be blessed for it. Their children will. And I love the kids around here. Oh, I love the adults too, but kids are just easier to get along with most of the time. Maybe you need to come and talk to God just a little bit tonight. And no, 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 your pride's already welling up inside of you. Well, if I go down there, people, aren't, people, people are going to think I'm not loving God the way that I should. That's that iniquity in your heart that's saying that. Oh, come on, come on. I want, I, I want to finish up here. But no, no, no. It's no. It's like, oh man, if I go down there, if the invitation starts, I go down to the altar. I mean, what are people going to think? What does it matter what people think when God already knows exactly where your heart is? What does it matter? No, no, no. We're talking about revival. We're talking about being. We're talking about being real with God. We're we're, we're talking about we're talking against thee and thee only have I sinned. Don't let your pride keep you from doing what God would have you to do to draw closer to Him. To Ask Him to help you with the iniquity in your heart. To ask Him to help you to love Him like you should. Don't let your pride keep you from coming. You do what God wants you to do tonight. Let's stand to our feet. Heavenly Father, thank You for the Word of God. Thank You, Lord, that it goes deeper than we could ever dive down. The, the Word of God is so rich and so deep. But Lord, this is a, this is a, this is a very important truth out of Your Word. And I don't know how you've dealt with hearts tonight and lives. I don't, I don't know. I don't. My prayer at this point is just that people would respond the way that you would have them to respond. Lord, that they might uh, be blessed because of it. That they might have victory over things in their life because of it. That their life might change. That revival might start in their own heart, in their own home, in their own life, even tonight. Way before a revival meeting starts. Lord, help us to be honest with ourselves and honest with you. Help us to humble ourselves before you tonight, asking you to do what only you can do to help us to be what you would have us to be. Lord, bless this time of invitation, we pray. Might your perfect will be done, we ask in Jesus Christ's name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Many have come to the altar. You need to come. Piano's going to play. Let God have his way, would you? Just whatever he wants to do, whatever he would have you to do. Come on, don't, don't play games with God anymore. Decide that you're going to do what God would have you to do. Decide you're going to live the way that God would have you to live. And I guarantee you we can't do it without God's help. We can't do it without Him touching our heart and helping us to be what He would have us to be. You let God have His way tonight. You'll not go wrong. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants to help you definitely does.